Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Hey, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about quietly quitting and what you as a manager need to know about it. More importantly, why it's less about who is working in those chairs, who's working in your office, who's working on your team, and all the more to do with how you as the boss, as the manager, as the leader are motivating and engaging them. Stay tuned. We got a great episode. Here comes your good advice. Hey, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Benz. I'm the host of this nice, cozy little channel where we talk business. We talk about some of the actionable, tangible things that you need to know in order to grow your business. Hey, I appreciate you checking out the podcast today. And if you've listened to me long term, you know that when I'm feeling kind of spicy about something, I got to hit that record button and talk about things that I think are pretty interesting. And one of those things is this topic of quietly quitting. We're going to be talking about it on the show today and really diving into what you as a leader, as a boss, as someone who manages people, what do you need to know about it? So before I jump into that, I'll go and tell you we're also coming up on 300 episodes. 300 episodes, we're just shy of five years of the podcast, which my goodness, it kind of just blows my mind how long this podcast has been around, the amount of work that has gone into it, and more importantly, the people who've listened to it and who've been impacted positively. I just want to thank you for being part of this journey. And there's a lot of exciting stuff happening for the podcast. Um, we're rolling out advertising on the podcast. It's kind of growing into this own separate business arm of good advice which is kind of crazy and cool, I guess. But all that to say, it's a real passion project for me. It's a real source of fulfillment to be able to hit record and talk about the things that hopefully are helpful for you in your business. So I want to tell you again, thank you for listening to the podcast and here's to the future of the show. So having said that, let's dive in today. You know, whatever you're doing today, maybe you're traveling, maybe you're just listening to uh, you know, you're kind of just letting the, the the podcast flow as you work. But whatever you're doing, whatever's on your mind, I want to dig into a concept today that if you manage people in any way, it is something that is so critical to understand. It And it's really not anything that's new to leadership, and yet it's something that's so often ignored and frankly overlooked and we're seeing this pop up lately in this topic of something called quietly quitting. Now, I'll go ahead and tell you kind of the definition of what it is. Basically, what quietly quitting is, and we talked about this in our newsletter this week, which you can sign up for, by the way, at our website, goodadvicecoaching.com. 
But so there's this, this term quietly quitting. It's become pretty popular. There's a lot of things getting posted about it, talked about it. And naturally, anytime something is mainstream that has to do with the kind of work that I do, uh, I get pretty interested in talking about it myself. So here's what quietly quitting is. It's not actually quitting. It's called quietly quitting because basically what it refers to are professionals, um, employees, team members, whatever you want to call it, getting to the point of disengagement where they basically decide, you know what, I'm going to do just the bare minimum. I'm going to do the bare minimum amount of work. And so I'm not actually quitting, but I'm sort of like quasi quitting. I'm quietly quitting because I'm no longer going to go the extra mile. You know, if you ask me to come in on Saturday, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that I'm busy. Uh, If my hours are eight to five or nine to five, you can know I'm going to be there right at nine and I'm going to leave right at five. Uh, And if you need someone to do a little bit of extra work for a project, it's not going to be me. I'm going to do the bare minimum of what's required and expected for me uh, in order to keep my job and get paid. So already I may have unfairly painted this into a pretty negative light. And if you're not familiar with this terminology, you might actually be thinking like, yeah, that doesn't sound like a great employee. That doesn't sound like a great person to have on a team. And you wouldn't actually necessarily be, be wrong on this. You know, naturally, when you hire people, no one goes out and says, I want to hire someone who's going to do the least amount of work possible. But I want to explain something to you, and that's that there, one thing that's always been a constant in the world of leadership and management is how we frame problems in leadership, So anytime, calling even back to right past COVID, when we were talking about the great resignation, people quitting in mass, you know, so much turnover. And this, by the way, wasn't hourly employees. This wasn't like um, frontline employees. This was typically middle to higher career professionals who were quitting their jobs and moving on elsewhere. And there was this this large, uh, I'll just call it propaganda. There was a large push for um, lazy and entitled people who don't want to work, uh, who you know want to just work from home in their pajamas, yada yada yada. And it's interesting because I I posted some content back there, and it's kind of it's kind of wild. Um, I'm not like a business expert in any means. This is just it was just really coincidental timing. But during COVID, I posted a lot about you have as a business owner, you have a real opportunity to demonstrate what your culture actually stands for. Like when adversity happens, when setbacks happen in your business, you have an opportunity to show not tell, to actually show that you really value your employees. And COVID was no different. COVID was a incredibly, regardless of your thoughts on COVID, it was an incredibly stressful time for 99% of people. But for good or for good or bad, it was incredibly stressful, especially for business owners. And you just need to know that when stress comes, when adversity comes, that is an opportunity to not just say, here's our values on the wall, here's what we say is our mission, but to actually live it out and demonstrate it for your employees. And I remember back during COVID saying, you will know how strong your culture is 
by when COVID is over, how your employees respond. Like when we're, I remember saying when we're all past this and through this, your employees are either going to say, wow, this place took care of me and I am a lifelong fan. Or they will say, wow, I was just a number here. Those value statements are exactly what they are. They're just values on a wall. And this place ultimately doesn't care about me. Well, surprise, surprise. (laughs) What actually happened was people began to quit. A lot of people began to quit because their business showed what they really valued and it wasn't them. It was the business's bottom line, not the employees. Now, you may be thinking, you know, Blake, that's a little unfair. Um, You know, what do I even owe to my employees? Aren't they here to help me run a business to make more money, yada, yada, yada? And I, I would, I would actually, I would say no to that. I would really pretty candidly push back on that because my issue with that phrasing and with that saying is that it's so incredibly selfishly motivated that it tells me that the way you see your business is that everyone who works for you exists to serve you and your bottom line. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying that you haven't taken incredible risk to grow your business. I'm not saying that you aren't the one who bears the weight of your business. You know, the late nights, the sweating, uh, the wondering what's going to happen next for your business, what's going to happen in the future. I'm not I'm not disregarding any of that. But you have to understand that there is so much great leadership content out there that flips the head on how people traditionally see their business. Like someone was telling me, uh, I think it was Zig Ziglar. uh, There's a quote from Zig Ziglar that says basically like, you will get what you want when you help enough people get what they want. And this is true for leadership. Like effective business management is less about what have you done for me lately and more about, okay, we have a collaboration, a partnership, I'm going to have this amazing person join my team, contribute their expertise, and in return, I'm going to financially financially give back to them essentially the outputs of what they're putting into the business. Like I'm going to pay you directly related to the effort and work that you're putting in. And so it's a partnership. It's not a come serve me, come work for me. This is an important distinction because time and again, I have seen business leaders get frustrated and angry at employees because their ego is unchecked and they simply do not understand how this relationship works. So let me let me give some examples here. So we had people who, um, you know, we talked about COVID. Let me actually just open up. Give me one second. I want to open up something that I saw. Let me find it here. Um, and I wish I had more examples on me. This is one that just came up to me today. Uh, this went through, this was like a question, a poll that got put up um, on LinkedIn. 2,000 responses. Um, this, is, this came from an HR recruiter, someone who helps uh, businesses hire employees. As a recruiter, I feel like it's very disrespectful to interview with multiple companies at the same time. That's the header. 
If your interest is purely money and not furthering your technical career, then you should be upfront about that. A lot of bleeding edge tech companies want folks that are here because they want to improve things, not just money. So let me rephrase what this person is saying, and I'm going to be as genuine as I can be. This is not, I, I'm being honest in that I'm not, I don't think I'm being harsh or um, unfairly paraphrasing, but let me, if you're just listening, let's say you're not watching on YouTube, you're just listening to me talk about the podcast. Let me rephrase this. Um, this person basically says, it's disrespectful when you interview with us, it's disrespectful to be interviewing with other businesses rather than fully committing to us because that shows us that you're not really interested in us. You're just in it for the money. And we don't want that kind of employee. There are so many things to unpack about this, but I want to tie it back. Oh, and by the way, of the, <laughs> it, it was a poll. It was, do you agree? Yes or no? <laughs> 2,216 people disagreed. 98.6% basically said, uh, no. And then 1.4%, 32 people said, agree. You better be grateful to God that this is not a public survey where you can see responses, because I swear to you, these 32 people would never hire anyone again. Like literally these 32 people, if you could see these companies, I guarantee you that anyone who has an application out for one of these businesses would immediately withdraw it and move on. Um, and to be fair of the 32 people, I mean, you know how people are on social media. The 32 people, probably a handful, like just didn't even read it and just clicked agree. Like, okay, yeah, I don't care about money and didn't actually understand it or what have you. But let's tie this back though to what I was saying. How you view your employees will absolutely determine the kind of relationship you have with them and what their experience is like working in your business. If you see employees as widgets, as parts that go on a production line that create a series of outputs that make you richer, that make you successful, you will find yourself frustrated in the world of employment, in the world of leadership and management. That's just the bottom line. Um, and, you know, what I've typically found is this is usually people who are, um, well, before I get into that, let me say this. You know, when I read this example, I had a podcast episode that I did, um, man, it was a couple of years ago and I, I apologize. I don't have the number up in front of me, but, um, actually let me, let me, let me pull it up. If you guys want to check it out real quick or at some point, um, sorry for the, uh, heavy, heavy key clicks. Uh, let's see here. Good advice podcast. Oh man, this really was forever ago. Goodness gracious. Um, it's episode, it's episode, uh, 24. Oh, this is forever ago. Oh my gosh. Let me see the exact date on this. Cause I'm just curious. All right. This was March, March 21st. Is this really only episode 24 in 2019? Now all of a sudden I'm thinking, is this four years of good advice? Oh man, maybe I can't do math. Okay, point being, let's get back to the point. Um, episode 24, don't feel guilty for wanting more money. 
So I, I put this episode, it's so funny to me. This is my point is that none of this stuff is new. Like, and I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to get too like off base here, but like the whole quietly quitting thing, the whole point of my newsletter this week was I was talking about how, oh, people are so entitled, you know, Gen Zers are so entitled, like they're quietly quitting. They're lazy. They're way yada, yada, yada. This is the same thing that was said back in COVID. So rather than it, because think about this, it's easier to just blame your employees than look in a mirror and realize that it's you. It's it's easier to blame them than look in a mirror and realize I'm a sucky boss. I suck as a boss. Like it's it's just easier to do that. Like self-awareness is hard. Like we know through an HBR study that only 10 to 15% of people are when they say they're self-aware are actually self-aware. And so we can know statistically speaking when someone says, "Oh yeah, I'm really self-aware." Chances are they're not. I mean, that's, that's me included. Like chances are they're not. And so I think about the story of a boss entire, their, her entire team had quit. The entire team had quit. Everyone had quit. And her and I were talking and she was like, yeah, millennials, they're man. Millennials are tough to manage. I mean, they are just, uh, millennials are just tough. You know? I mean, I, I, I wish I could maybe find someone else to hire and she was kind of going on and on about just the inconveniences, inconveniences of millennials, which is always funny to me because sometimes people, sometimes people are like, yeah, millennials. And I'm like, you know, I'm a millennial, right? But despite that, regardless of that point. So she says all this and I say, you know, yeah, that could be true. In my experience, if your entire team quits, usually it's not that they're millennials. Usually it's the boss. And she looked at me with this face of offense and was like, if you're saying it's my fault, I don't want to hire you. I don't want to hire good advice. And I remember thinking it's probably a bullet dodged. Honestly, I probably wouldn't want to work with you anyway, but see, that's where we typically go is it's easier to put the blame, like, like think about this in terms of relationships, for example, like think about your spouse, your loved one, what have you chances are when you've gotten into an argument or there's been an, a pain point or frustration, what do we typically do? I can't believe that they did X, Y, and Z. Oh, they never listen. Oh, they, you know, what have you? We don't always immediately go to, you know what, what did I do wrong there? Like, how did I miss it? What did I do that led to what happened in that argument? We don't always do that. I'll go ahead and tell you that great leaders do, by the way. But despite that, what's easier is living in denial and placing the blame on, oh, they're lazy, they're entitled. You know, um, I mentioned that's that's the hot topic right now with quietly quitting. It's the hot topic with um, COVID. I shared in my newsletter a picture from uh, the 80s, I think. I can't remember when it's from, but it's called the Me, Me, Me Generation. And it's all about how boomers are uh, entitled and self-serving. And I was reading the the cover of this, this magazine thinking, huh, this is a pretty familiar, this is pretty familiar language here. 
See, none of this stuff is new. Like the sooner you recognize that none of this is new, the sooner you'll move a step closer towards true self-awareness and realizing that effective leadership is more about what you're doing as a boss than it is who's on your team. Now, this doesn't mean you don't hire great employees. It also doesn't mean, like I was talking to a client of mine uh, yesterday, she's about to let someone go. She said, it's just not working. They're just, they're just not a good employee. And it was like, yeah, that just sometimes that happens. So I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that every employee is phenomenal, you know, astonishing, incredible. Um, some people just, they just aren't. And, and not that even, sometimes people are actually lazy, but also sometimes just people aren't a good culture fit. They just don't fit. They don't gel with what you're doing. And that's okay. What I will tell you, though, is that most people want to do the job you hired them to do. And they have a level of expertise that makes them qualified to do that job. And if you don't believe that, then why did you hire them in the first place? Right? But so I put out this episode back in 2019, episode 24, don't feel guilty for wanting more money. And I put this out because I had, um, I had, Talk to someone about like bonuses or uh, I, I can't remember, honestly, the full context of the conversation, but it was basically like bonuses or um, incentives for their team, which I'm, I'm very pro, by the way. Um, it's for two reasons. One, it's so much easier to hold your employees accountable when there's a direct tie in between the amount of money they make and what they're contributing to the team. Uh, I don't believe that in like a blanket way because not every team position directly ties into revenue. Uh, but I definitely believe in that generically. And the second thing is it helps you because it's a source of accountability when someone says, like, let's say you have a salesperson who comes back to you and they say, hey, I'm worth X amount. And you can come back to them and say, okay, well, you, you, you've worked with us for four months. You've brought us no money. You've done nothing for us. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's a means of accountability. It's a means of an honest conversation. So, but all this to say, I was talking to someone about incentives and the person said, well, I typically don't believe in incentives. I just trust that everyone who works for me is going to give 120%. Like they're going to go the extra mile because that's the right thing to do. Now, I don't disagree with this, by the way. I, I think that there is something that's related to our character that should make us, um, feel, um, I'm trying to think about how to word this. Cause I'm not, I, I don't want to say that everyone should, should pick up extra shifts for free. I, I think there's a very fuzzy line there and there's a line between self-respect and giving your best effort. Um, there's a character element there. Like when someone hires me and I think you, I think you can have both by the way, like when a customer hires me, they can know they're going to get 120% of me. I'm going to treat them like a premium customer, regardless of what they're paying, but I'm not going to suddenly donate all of these extra hours and expand the scope of the project or what have you just to go the extra mile, just because I'm bored and want to impress them. So you can have both. But what I have found is that there is sometimes this very weird, I'm going to call it manipulation. I don't think it's always intentionally meant to be manipulative. I don't think that people are intentionally abusing their employees and their time, 
But I do think there is this um, weird, you know, hey, in your business, go the extra mile, pick up those extra shifts, you know, show show that you're accountable. And it's like, this is a recipe for burnout. Like there's an old saying that you permit, uh, uh, sorry, you, um, oh, sorry. There's an old saying that is you promote what you permit. So like getting phone calls on weekends, um, you know, someone calls you on your day off. Yeah, of course I can help. Well, you are promoting those boundaries to be non-existent and to basically burn yourself out. You're not getting any time for yourself. I had someone who worked with me who I called her on her day off and literally as I just had a quick question, just literally a quick question. She goes, Blake, it's my day off. And I said, yes, I know, but I have this question about this customer. And she interrupted me. This person technically worked for me. She, I was a super, I was a superior of hers. She interrupted me and said, Blake, it's my day off. And I said, you're right. I'm sorry. I'll figure it out. And I did. I did figure it out. I didn't think less of her for doing that. I didn't make her feel like she wasn't a team player. I respected her more because she reminded me of the boundaries of what I what I should be expecting her to do and ultimately what she's been hired to do, right? So I put out this podcast episode because I think it's weird when we expect people to give extra than what we've hired them to do. And I think it is unethical, maybe even immoral, to also guilt someone for wanting money. Like, like anyone who's a seasoned professional, it blows my mind people who don't understand this concept. Like, let me pull up another thing real quick. It's called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Um, and let me just find one version of it that I really like. So this was really common in, uh, so I was a, a school teacher 10 years ago. Goodness, it feels forever ago. And we talked a lot about what do students need to be high-performing, successful individuals. Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs is a, a perfect illustration of that. And what it basically is, is you can boil down your needs into basically five categories. And what it what Maslow's hierarchy of needs basically talks about is envision like a peak and like climbing to the peak of that mountain means you climbing into the person you're destined to be. Like all of your potential, um, all of your skill sets and talents being fully realized, walking in your calling, walking in your purpose. Like this is a compelling concept. Uh, we know it's compelling because we know so many people who fall into midlife crises, who wonder what am I doing with my life, and so on and so forth. You get it. Well, at the base of this peak, or even think of it as like rungs of a ladder, to make it to the top of this mountain, there are certain steps you have to climb in order to reach there. And the most basic, the bottom portion of that mountain is our physical needs food, shelter, um, somewhere to sleep, clean clothes, a shower. Like these things were really important for education because, you know, if you, and if you aren't like a, a seasoned, uh, educator, um, which is kind of weird to say, if, if you aren't familiar with like the world of education, 
the reason we talk about like offering breakfast in the classroom, the reason that there's chatter around should lunch be free or not, uh, the reason that your school's local to you may even offer uh, send home cleaning supplies, uh, cleaning supplies, not the right word, basic hygiene kits, uh, like my school had deodorant for kids who needed it. You may be thinking like, why do we do that? Well, it's because when your basic needs aren't met, it is literally impossible for you to make it to the top of that mountaintop and walk in your calling. Let me say it another way. How could you possibly walk out your calling when you don't even know where you're going to sleep tonight? You don't even know what you're going to eat tonight. How can you be thinking, like think about like creative time you may have. Like, what do I want to do with my life? Where do I want to go? Like, okay, what do, I want, what do I see my job? How do I see it fulfilling me? How do you expect to have time to do that when you are stressed out of your mind simply thinking about how am I going to pay my rent tomorrow? See, there's an absolute basic need for necessities to be met for you to become the person you're meant to be. And it's true when we think about employees uh, fully engaged, making a difference, you know, contributing to your business, they can't do that if they aren't able to cover those basic needs. So what frustrates me in this conversation is someone who pays $7.25 an hour, which by the way, at $7.25 an hour, there is no state in the country where you could afford rent for a one-bedroom apartment, working 40 hours a week. You can fact check me on this. I have fact checked it myself multiple times. There is no place, no city, county, state at all in this country that you could pay a one bedroom apartment working 40 hours a week at 725. There's not one. You will not find it. I will, I will give you a challenge to find the one and also tell me if you would live there, by the way. <laughs> so what happens then is business leaders, they get frustrated. Leaders is too generous a term. Business managers get frustrated that their employees aren't God's gift to their business while simultaneously paying them $7.25 an hour. It's more than just you get what you pay for. You have someone who is so insanely worried about their basic necessities, especially if they have kids, that you are living on another planet if you're expecting them to walk in their calling and live out their purpose in your business. Which to be fair, you may be thinking, I don't need someone who can do all that. I just need someone who can handle these basic things. And what I will tell you, it's not just about personal calling and walking out that calling and personal purpose, but also the person's level of... Um, um, engagement, their passion, like for someone to be passionate about what they do. Like, I think you would be being dishonest if you were to tell me you don't want someone who's passionate. You don't want someone like you just want someone who can punch numbers. I, I don't believe that because I have literally never met anyone in my life. I've had, I've had thousands of conversations on hiring. I've never met one person, not one who told me I want the least potential person to come work for me. I want the person with the least potential, the most disinterested to come work for me. No one's ever told me that. It has 
more often than not been the opposite. I want someone, yeah, who's going to love the business, who's going to be passionate, who's going to do great things here. Like that is the norm of what I hear. But how could you get that if you're paying $7.25 an hour? So I put up this podcast episode. I think I've referenced this like 12 times now. <laughs> I put it up because I was just so annoyed at people getting a bad shake in terms of pay. And then when they push for more, them getting twisted and manipulated. Well, aren't you? I thought you cared about loyalty. Or I had one person, uh, she worked for a business that uh, helped, basically helped students uh, in the school system. And she asked for more money and the person was like, well, don't you care about the kids? Like, I thought you cared about the kids. And it's like, yes, I care about the kids. And because I care about the kids and my ability to help them, I have the self-respect and dignity to get what I'm, I'm owed. <laughs> so this whole loyalty conversation, I mean, just this, this, this picture I shared, let me find it again. I just had it open. Um, where did you go? Here we go. Um, you know, if you're applying to multiple companies at the same time, you're clearly just interested in money. We don't want to hire you. You're just money hungry. Give me a break. Like, seriously, this is insane. And yet this is how some people view business. This is how some people view management. So I dislike this whole expression of quietly quitting because I think that it's unfairly labeling people who feel this way. I think that it's designed to, design makes it sound too conspiratorial, <laughs> but I think it's designed to make it seem like lazy losers who go to work and do nothing all day and want to get a free paycheck. I think knowing what I know, like literally pulling on my experience from the number of leaders that I've talked to, managers, employees, more often than not, I can tell you it is one in a million. It is so rare that I talk to someone who's genuinely lazy and is trying to pull one over their boss. Maybe not one in a million. It's probably a little. <laughs> There's definitely more greedy people than that. So I'm sorry for that. <laughs> more often than not, though, it's someone who's been abused and mishandled by their by their. Please don't handle your employees. Uh, who's been mistreated by their their boss. And so the, it is people who are saying no more to that, no more to being abused. I mean, I, I talked to someone who she was promised, she, she was told if we can raise our revenue by 20%, we have a $5,000 bonus for you at the end of the year. Well, she didn't just raise it by 20%. She raised it by something like 400%. Like it was insane what, what her and her team accomplished. No bonus. She went to her boss. Hey, uh, what's going on here? And her boss said, I know um, we'd like to delay this bonus to next fiscal if we can, because we're growing like crazy right now. Like it's, it's like we appreciate what you've done, but it's, we are growing like crazy and we need to reinvest every dollar back into the growth of this business. I kind of thought, how dare you? Like give this person what she's owed. Stories like that, you just have to understand, are so much more normal that in terms of what I hear compared to the alternative of employees honestly lazy, honestly, you know, wanting to show up in their pajamas. By the way, this is no different from the conversation on remote work. I hear this time and again, remote people who want to work remote, they're, they're lazy, they want to be in their pajamas, yada, yada. 
yeah, it's, it's, it's too bad that a professional, you know, the single dad, uh, you know, whose kids are with a family member doesn't want to drive two hours both ways, uh, to report to business. You know, it's a shame that that person wants an actual uh, unpaid time, by the way, you know, it's, it's a shame that that's the case, <laughs> but, and yet rather than provide another opportunity or more flexibility for that person to reach that peak of potential, we instead manipulate, harass, um, paint people in a negative light. Uh, and it's a shame. It's a shame. What I'll tell you is if you're a great boss, you already get all this stuff anyway. None of this is new to you. You're already doing a great job. You're already making it happen. Um, and you care deeply about your employees. So it's something that matters to you. But I want to end with this. Um, Bosch, a uh, company out of Germany, a massive company. I was visiting Germany with my wife and we were visiting some people over there. And um, the person I was talking to is a manager over there. He's worked there for so many different, um, for basically just a long time, I guess. Um, but talking to him, business has done really well. There's a cool history there, going back all the way to Nazi Germany and um, opportunities that were provided to keep um, Jewish people safe. But the founder, the, ba the way he basically described his business that became massively successful, he said, I am rich not because I pay my people so little, but I am rich because I pay my people so much. This isn't bad math. This is someone who deeply understands the value of investing in your people. Investing in your people is not a money pit. It's something that will pay off again and again and again. So if your employees are quietly quitting, rather than taking a look at all that they're doing and trying to figure out how to get them to work harder, you should look in a mirror and figure it out. Figure out what are you not doing that's inspiring passion and creating value uh, and sh showing dignity to your employees. Because when you do those things, I guarantee you, your employees, your team members, they will continue to give more and more and more. Having said all that, that's today's episode. Hey, I really appreciate you listening today. Uh, if you love this kind of stuff, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, Blake, at goodadvicecoaching.com. Tell me what you thought about the episode and some of the things that you're doing to engage and motivate your people. And if you need help, again, you can email me, uh, we at Good Advice. Man, we're doing so much awesome stuff. So we'd love to help. We'd love to be a part. And lastly, if you love the podcast, you want to support the podcast, uh, we, do have, we do have advertising on the podcast. We also have our Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash goodadvice where you can support the podcast for really the price of a cup of coffee. So for those of you who do that, I want to tell you thank you. Thank you for supporting the podcast. And cheers to our upcoming 300 episodes. Having said that, I'll catch you later. See ya.